everyone, this is Millie Dushon. I'm so happy that you are tuned in to another episode of Human Becomings. Please do subscribe and like this on iTunes. Today, I have Celia Dibra with me. Celia Dibra, founder of The Conscious Generation and author of Women's Book of Holistic Health. She's also the co-host of The Conscious Manifesto podcast, where they interview conscious people and companies doing extraordinary things. Welcome, Celia. Celia, I know that I bumped into you on Instagram, and as I shared, I shared this with you before, I am so attracted to your purpose, your goal, right? And what you're spreading, you're spreading such wisdom and love. And Celia, before we indulge into our deep dive topic <laughs> of consciousness, I want to know what motivated you to embark on a journey surrounding consciousness? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I would say physics. I, I went to Hawaii uh, in 2015. I was supposed to be there for three months. And I just uh, started really getting involved in biophysics, uh, which is biology and physics meshed together. And also just uh, physics in general. Um, and it was an, an amazing endeavor. Um, you know, you, you learn a, a lot of information. I was actually working in a lab. I was also editing some research papers. I was working, um, uh, doing all types of things uh, for this organization and this foundation called Resonance Science Foundation. It's called that now. And Sim Harriman, uh, he, you know, I, I worked with him. He was great. He's an amazing, he's a very, very brilliant guy. Um, and he's embarking on a journey in the unified field theory. So, that really, I've always been interested. Uh, I've always had, you know, uh, interest in health and and everything else. And that just turned the tables completely for me because being a having a background in health and really for the last ten years being so uh, enamored by all the research that's coming out and everything holistic, uh, natural ways to really just completely uh, reverse certain illnesses and diseases. Um, how powerful the mind is alone, um, how you can now control certain genes by just meditating, um, and how you can also affect now your bi microbiome. You know, there's so much research coming out with that, and that's in my new book uh, that's coming out this year. Um, it, it's absolutely fundamental research that I think now overlapping in physics tells us a lot of information. And physics you know, when I think of physics, I, I, you know, most people actually, when they think of physics, they're thinking of, you know, it's just the stars and the universe and astronomy and all this stuff. But physics goes into, into way more, you know. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing uh, uh, journey right now to even just understand it. And a, a, a movie that came out, and this is what, I think this was the true start, starting point. This was in, this was when I was like, maybe 20, 21 years old, uh, which is about 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm giving away my age. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's a movie that's been out for a while. And maybe some of you have seen it. Maybe, you know, some of your listeners haven't, but I don't know if you saw it. Actually, it's called What the Bleep Do We Know? No, that sounds really fascinating. It's amazing. <laughs> what the bleep I, do we know? Yes. And it's, it actually just shows... Um, 
you know, a huge, okay, this is, this is the most amazing part. And, I, and, this, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because this is what really fascinated me more than anything else. Um, and, and that kind of started the journey in consciousness and, and the mind and the brain and neuroscience. And I got into that before I got into physics. So The Bleep Do We Know is a documentary uh, on physics and how atoms, for example, react when you observe them and when you not observe them. And apparently they react differently when you observe them. Interesting. It's just like plants, how they grow when there's music and when there's no music. But I want to hear about atoms. <laughs> well, the plant thing alone is like amazing, right? Right. I mean, and then in involving biophysics, for example, the way a plant grows, it's a geometrical pattern because the sun hits it a certain way and it grows. There's certain plants, they, they, they like measure it out and they're like, this is an actual geometrical pattern that they can match. And it has to do with biology and physics. So it's in biophysics, but they say it, it's, it's perfectly aligned um, and grows in a way that the pattern, so, so that all the leaves get the sun the same way during the day when the sun rises and sets. I mean, and when you think of things like that, it's just like, wow, there's really this precise intelligence in everything. There's this intelligence um, in, in atoms. So going back to atoms, when you, uh, you know, I think you've heard of this. A lot of people have heard of this because there was a big study on this. When you split an atom, whatever you do, let's say if it goes to China, the other one's in New York City, whatever you do to the atom in China, wh whatever it is, that same, it happens the same th it, at the same exact time, it, whatever, hap whatever you do to it, the atom in China, it happens to the one in New York. Right. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that was like the beginning, right? Now, uh, and, and probably, I, I'm, I don't know if there's a sequel to this, which I hope so, because, you know, I have to look into this, but what they were showing in the documentary was the original brink of all of this intelligence. And I call it intelligence because it's, it's a form of consciousness. It's something that's connecting everything together. That's making it work. They don't, the atoms don't have a brain, you know, so they're, but they're aware there's an awareness involved. Right. Um, and awareness is a, is a, is a, is a form of consciousness. Um, so a, an atom uh, can be, when the camera's on and they, they have this huge machine that they're shooting out atoms, when the camera's on and, you know, the, the lab guys are in their lab suits watching and observing all of this, well, they're observing these atoms getting shot out. When the camera's off, they, they act in one way. When the camera's on, they, they act completely differently. Uh, it's, it's, it reminds me of how a human behaves when there's attention. And when there's no attention, interesting. Exactly. I would say, yes, attention and then also observance. When you know when you're being observed by someone, there's a heightened awareness sometimes. And I think that's where people also might, you know, they suffer from certain anxieties or they're over-aware and they don't know how to, how to really compensate for their over-awareness, you know. But usually when people are observing other people, they might act a certain way that they wouldn't necessarily act in that moment if no one was observing, you know? Um, and it's not saying that it's negative or more positive. It's just saying they, they're aware that they're being watched. Um, and I think in, in, in some regards, it's a very positive thing. For example, if we're going back to the cameras and we're taking this to a, a little bit of a different discussion, and uh, I would say a very long time ago, when cameras, security cameras first started coming out, people were uncomfortable thinking of the fact of them being watched. 
They were like, this is like an intrusion of privacy, right? Today, bring it on. Put a camera in every room, up my skirt. I really don't care. Just <laughs> make sure I don't really wear skirts, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> so I'll be wearing pants, but uh, just make sure that I'm protected in every way possible. Put heat sensors all over my car, all over me. You know, everyone wants that security and that luxury. And there's a right. lot of uh, amazing, you know, security companies that are coming out now with, you know, they're trying to make it more available to people that are more price conscious that can't afford the bigger systems. Um, so, you know, not saying that you're, you're, you're not really aware of yourself being uh, observed in that, in that standpoint, because they're in your home and you feel safe. But there's some people that are, won't get a camera because they feel like it's an intrusion of policy. And how do I not know these people are watching me right now? You know, there's some people that uh, now discover that it's very easy actually to hack into someone's computer and look through their video camera. Right. And there's certain people that, you know, uh, that I've heard it from. So people buy these little blocks um, or they cover their, their uh, uh, little um, video camera from from being from being seen you know right so it's interesting but uh, in in regards to um you know acting differently if we're going out into a place and there's a video camera on and we know we're being video cameraed you know we might act differently you know if there's someone who's going into a place that they didn't know a video camera is and they're not do there to do good they might walk out so right. it's it's really the observance and 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 what's going on and and there's your surroundings and I think uh, when you have something that that observing something has power mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. I mean that we can say that generally speaking. Right now, you make a great point. Um, when someone is being observed, patterns change. I just recently watched this show on Netflix called Brain Games. And this particular episode, what they did was they called in a bunch of participants uh, to be inside a room and they did a test. So the test was, I do not know what you call this apparatus, but it is something where you, it's kind of like, I think it's copper. I do not know if it's copper, but it's all squiggly. It's a frame. And you need to take this loop, this other apparatus where it's a circle and you need to move it along without the hole touching the apparatus. So it looks like this and then it goes this way so you can't touch it. But if you touch it, you're supposed to honestly report how many times you've touched it. So they did two experiments. The first experiment was the person was being observed, but the person didn't know that they were being observed. So all volunteers reported the wrong number of the mistakes that they made. So the person who was conducting the, the experiment came out and asked them, all right, so how many mistakes did you make? And volunteers, if they made 28 mistakes, they reported like 10. So they lied. And at the end of them reporting the, the, the person who was reviewing the whole experiment said, shared with them, oh, do you know that you were being watched, but we didn't tell you. It's interesting. And then they all, all volunteers were kind of like laughing and say, oh yeah, I lied about it. Oh, blah, blah. Wow. 
And then the next experiment, experiment number two, was they told the volunteers that they were being watched and everyone reported the exact number of mistakes that they made. So it's interesting how being observed and not being observed, our pattern of behavior changes. Our mind behaves in a very different way of, I don't know if it's protecting, if it's protecting our ego or what exactly is it. If our ego is somehow related to our conscious, our consciousness, a consciousness of of being truthful or being honest, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, I think uh, th- that that I mean that pretty much gives it away. I think I think you you're making a good point too with the ego is you, there's something uh, your ego is usually you know your inflated self. So if you feel that you can get away with something usually people will do something to get away with it. I've been guilty of it. I've done things. But I have done certain things like that. And I'm brutally honest that way because I would rather, you know, make the mistake and be genuine about it. And you have to be really present in order to understand that and not think you're lacking something, you know? And if you see other people that made two mistakes, it's like, well, actually, guys, I made 28. So does that, does that make you feel less superior or less intelligent or anything like that? And I think, I think the, the rule of thumb there is that, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I know this, this is like the overarching, like, okay, everybody hears this all the time, but it's true. Everyone has different strengths. So you're doing, and again, you're doing, you know, a test, right? So let's say the person that, uh, you know, and I wonder too, if every, everyone wasn't telling the truth, uh, if there would be one person eventually that would maybe just be truthful. And it's like, well, you know, and then you, and then you go deeper into the study and, and evaluate personality characteristics. Maybe this person has um, more empathy or compassion. Who knows? But there's certain point scales that I believe encompasses an entire person. And they're also, uh, you know, looking from things in a completely different way. And I think perception ultimately um, is, a, is a huge part of that. And, you know, they've done st- studies where um, <clears throat> they ask a very simple question and most and they have one person in there that is not part of the study. They're, they're, they're just I mean, they're part of the research, you know, group. Right. and they will shout something out a number and then everyone else will follow along. And it's, it's like either zero or one person that's, that maybe disagrees, but most people just say, yeah, yeah, it's, it's five or yeah, 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 it's five. It's five. I see five lines or something. And there's really like 10. So people didn't even really look at it. They're just assuming that because it's such an easy answer. Oh yeah, that's what it is. And can you imagine if that is how people are reading the news or reading or to reading anything? You know, reading, you know, there's just a general overlay. There's no depth. There's no, um, okay, let me investigate a little bit more and really research different parts of this. Um, And going back to what I was discussing earlier with health, that's why I, I love overlapping fields because health right now is the field of health is not complete without energy, without physics or biology. So biophysics. And those two fields together um, really make a bigger picture of what we're looking at in health. And that's how I feel with, you know, some of these studies and other things going on. Wow. That's <laughs> See, I want to touch on a point where you just said um, that was a test where, you know, people reported 
uh, the same number as whoever is calling at the number. The behavior of conform conforming, I look at that as conforming. Just because someone else shouts out a number as five, oh yeah, I saw five, and then one person disagrees. I think that is a behavior, uh, a flaw. I call it the flaw um, in our behavior, and it's so inherently present at the workplace, in in social circles, oh, yeah. or even in social media, <laughs> right? Oh, you yeah. have, I, I okay. So, well, yeah, what we were talking about a little bit before. <laughs> <laughs> so in the corporate world, right? In the yeah. corporate world, you have your manager and then you have all those little minions following in, under the manager, all kiss asses. Pardon for my language, but they all kiss the manager's asses. And then they'll- Worked in the corporate world, haven't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you'll have one or two people who disagree where- where they are individuals, where they have their individuality, where they have the courage to make an educated decision. And the minute the manager says something or anything which does not make sense, all the other minions will agree. Oh, yes, yes, I agree. That's such a fantastic idea. When it's not, it's just bullshit idea. The same goes for our social circle. When, you when you're in a group of friends and you have that one popular friend, who does anything or, or let's say who suggests anything and everyone's like, oh yeah, that's great food. That's a great restaurant. Let's go and eat. But, and then you'll have one or two or three friends who say, no, that food is not that great. And, and the same thing happens in social media where just because you have this romanticized celebrated position of being an influencer or celebrity, you have everyone's attention because everyone is looking at, at up to you as though you're going to give them a million dollars or you're bought to them. So everyone looks at you and that's a flaw in our behavior that we so easily believe someone or so easily succumb to. I look at that as slavery. It's a different form of slavery where you are giving up your right to think you're right to make a decision. I look at that in that way. And it's just so fascinating. And that's part of health. It, yeah. <laughs> that's my take yeah, on it. No, I, in extreme ways, I totally agree with you. I think, I think um, in general, people tend to follow and do mundane, just repetitive things. And a lot of people say, you know, don't go, you know, for example, just uh, in terms of school, well, you don't have to go to school, you can do something else, think out of the box. I really do like those motivational speeches. Some people value school very much. Some people want an education, they want to go to college, and that's absolutely fine. But those are the things that people usually say, okay, you're working, you're, you're working so much, you're getting a college degree, you're doing the nine to five, you're just being programmed your whole life. There's no thinking. There's nothing else outside of the box how to how to how to do this right. Um, and then going back to what you were saying, sometimes people just follow in that route. I, I see that repetitive, programmed way. Like, okay, someone's you know, let's just uh, assume that these that this person, you know, um, if if they have you know x amount of followers on on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, okay, they're they're. They're a power, powerful figure. And, and to be honest with you, I've come across some accounts and I'm like, I, I can't, I can't follow or be a part of this like 
you know, account just because there's something screaming at me. Otherwise I'm using a deeper sense of myself to kind of tap into what is the real intention of this person? What are they producing? What kind of content are they putting out there? And is it something that's too general or is it something positive? And even if it is positive, are they really standing by that? You know, right. um, and, and, and in terms of just groups and social camouflage, you know, people do those things to kind of blend in and conform. And we've seen such a change with a lot of act activists and people, you know, do, you know, putting themselves out there and they're part of, um, you know, uh, getting things to change in this world. And so much has changed in the last 10 years. I mean, so much has just, you know, changed. And then there's still things that are still not have not changed um and at the end of the day I, you know I'm, I'm a huge peace peacemaker type person like i just believe no violence no harassment no one should have their um rights stripped away from them no matter who they are as a person everyone should have equal you know it's kind of like you know setting the stage to be a president it's like you but even more so it's like the bare minimum like human life you should have shelter food, water, the capabilities of that, even the United States can be still very tough for a lot of people. People are not in the greatest predicaments and um, it's unfortunate. And the majority of people are trying to do good, I, I think, I'd like to think that. Um, and then you still have these people that are just not catching on to the good wave. <laughs> They're doing everything they can to go backwards. And I yeah. think we can only do more good. There's always going to be something that we lacked just because, you know, one person, for example, wanted to do this good project and unfortunately, let's just say camouflaged and joined, you know, the circus of getting a degree and going to work 24 seven. And I'm not saying that those people are not good people, but let's say they wanted to start, it's, uh, you know, an, a, a beautiful organization removing waste from the ocean. You know, there's a 16 year old kid that did that. I have to get his name. I maybe put it in the podcast notes. He's, he's developed a, a device that removes all on autopilot and people right. are using it. I mean, there's just so many, there's so much potential and, you know, the government and certain people kind of keep it down to the ground, you know, and, and I think opportunities like that should be just continuing, empower people. If you empower people and, and you give them the basic needs of just having, you know, even the rent paid. I mean, I'm going as far as that because what are we doing? We, I, I had this conversation with myself the other day, literally, you know, there's so there's, you know, we're talking about consciousness and this whole vast realm of energy and physics and people are so consumed with the dollar, with, with money and it's paper, you can burn it and it's nothing. It's to me, it's, it's, it has no value at all. Um, what has value is, is human, the capacity of humans to really join force, forces and share the strength together. I can't I agree more than that, really. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's, it's consciousness is more than that. And, and you hit it so well, CPA, it's human life. What are we focusing on nowadays? We are focusing on, on things that do not even matter. And, and I agree with you. 
you know, you're thinking big as to how can we help people who are really making an impact as far as you said, paying someone's rent who are truly making an impact in this world. I see so many people who call themselves celebrity. What are we celebrating them for? Truly, are we celebrating them because they are teaching everyone else how to get 10K on Instagram, 10K followers on Instagram? Are we celebrating them for following them or, or commenting them on Instagram? What are we truly celebrating people? Consciousness is more than that. You know, consciousness is, like you said, people who are truly making an impact in this world. You mentioned something really interesting and fascinating, social camouflage. And I agree with you, you touched on how we are programmed to go to school. You know, you go what kindergarten, kindergarten followed by primary school, secondary school, and then you go to university. And then once you, to reach that level, what do you do? The next expectation is for you to get a job. And the job is, it's, it's all either become what? Marketing or lawyer or doctor, all the common, I mean, doctors, yes. That's something valuable. You're, 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 you're healing someone, you're bringing, uh, giving someone life, you know, all of that. But other things like lawyers, doctor, no, doctors, lawyers, accountants, marketing, it's just like a very romanticized and modernized concept of the factory life. What do you do in factory? It's a production line. You put everyone in a straight line expecting them to do the same thing fast forward right now it's a romanticized modernized factory lifestyle and when you deviate from it you get either spoken down on or you are labeled as a loser or labeled as go get a job or or you're being stigmatized as oh are you on an unemployment so the narrative has to change. It is how we have not become conscious of a very industrialized concept. That's how I feel. And, and you hit it right on the head. Yeah, um, I think, I think uh, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, very important roles out there. I, I, I usually speak about um, doctors in two ways. I say they're doing great things and their education could be much better. And the reason why, and of course, there's surgeons or neurosurgeons, stuff that I can't even do. I, I give them full 100% credit. But again, it goes back to education and what they're learning. And it's like a lot of doctors don't know that, okay, eat more spinach and you'll get more of this vitamin. They, they prescribe medication. It's kind of something that's a utopia in this pharmaceutical world where they're just buying out these educational programs and training doctors to just prescribe med med medicine. I mean, it's, it's very narrow-minded. Um, and I, I fortunately, you know, in this world, everybody wants, of course, someone with a degree and, so, and someone who, who um, may be in the medical as an MD, you know. I, I, really, I really like combining in the thought of adding on an ND at the end of that too. It's just like, maybe that could be the step into the right direction of, of just having that education and that other side of things and really understanding the power of just food, whole food, 
you know, um, and, and something like that. So I, I believe that also there's a lack of ed- education and people are making you believe that once you have this degree, all these amazing things are going to happen. When in reality, a lot of people that I speak to are just like, I'm in debt for the rest of my life and I can't afford anything. And I'm paying off the student loan with like a 22% interest rate, which is just outrageous. And there's a lot of programs right now that are kind of helping in any way they can, but it's a crisis. It's an epidemic right now, actually, the education, healthcare, um, and, and those are two things I'm extremely passionate about, but yeah, there's definitely, um, a, a, it's a very tough, um, world when you're, when you're thinking, okay, once I have this, this degree, this is going to happen. And what actually happens is the opposite. People are in debt for a very, very long time. Um, they're trying to forgive their school loans. They're in $30,000, $50,000 debt, maybe more hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, in school or healthcare. And it's just like, what is going on? These are things that we should offer. You know, in, in Norway, you just pay for your textbooks, barely. You can get used textbooks. You could go to school for a whole year. You could get, an, I, I almost went for, neuro, um, for neuroscience at, at Norway, and they speak, you know, they speak English, just so you guys know. Um, and you spend like $1,000 the whole year, and you, and you get an education that you don't have to really pay for. I mean, it's just, there's so much opportunity. And again, it's thinking outside the box because a lot of people here, they might not know that. So I I believe that, you know, education can be so powerful, but then also the education, the the textbooks, everything that, that is in this, in, in, in generally what I've seen in most universities, it's very mundane. It's the same thing. Um, And you have to go out and you have to do things differently. I, I agree with you. Education has not shifted. It does not challenge us. Like, I experienced education in, in the United States and out of the United States. So in the United States, it was great. There are pros and cons, right? So, and this is what I've noticed. It, you can't really challenge your professors over here. <laughs> <laughs> So if you challenge your professors, you get a bad grade, which I can attest to it because I had it three times. It happened to me three times because I challenged my professors because they, they did not like what I had to say. Um, I'm curious what, what it was. So I, I, I actually studied communication, which is human conditioning in the United States. So we were talking about different theories and I challenged my professor, and this was uh, women's study, women's study. And I wrote a pieces about how women are sexualized and not just sexualized, but foreign women are brought into music videos over here or at the Teesman's and they are being framed in different ways. So I took it from a cultural lens. And my professor could not understand it because she was looking at it from a textbook lens and from the theories that she was exposed to. And my argument was that these theories were created how many years ago? And based on very limited experiments, right? So because we do qualitative and quantitative research. When when we do qualitative research, It's based on a very controlled number of people with different types of people. But at the same time, 
you can't say when you can't say oh i interviewed someone uh 25 people from a, a different country so that deduces what it is in this country because even if we are from a country even if we are from the united states your neighbor experiences life experiences concepts at a different level from a different lens based on what they are exposed to their education their environment everything yeah i was so just gonna say unless unless there was 50 people in that country then maybe you're on to something <laughs> <laughs> That was my argument, and I said this is outdated. You can't go by a theory. Yes, sometimes theory lasts for years, but when you have some something or a group of people arguing or bringing good points about that theory, you can't deny all these facts or all these counter arguments, right? She got really <laughs> angry with me, and she gave me a C. That's really uh, interesting. She got angry too, right? Right? right. I mean, I mean, I know professors can be professors, but I, I've, I just, you know, it's interesting because I think being, that sounds pretty logical. You know, that seems very logical to me. That's all. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other, the other experience I had was with a journalism class. So I took journalism because it was mandatory to take journalism in order to write good papers for human conditioning. And I wrote a paper and my professor, just based on how I look like or how I sound like, she said, English is not your first language. You can't speak or write English. When I wrote the bloody thesis in English. So I took it, I took it. <laughs> I took it personally. So I wrote an email. I said, what do you mean by I can't speak English? What do you mean by English is not my first language? And I copied the head of department <gasps> on the email. I said, this is, this is bias. You're stereotyping me and you are pigeonholing me. Oh, that did not drive with her because I challenged her. Um, and yeah, she didn't give me a very good grade. <laughs> as well because it's, it's like and that's that's the flaw I, i'm not saying that it happens everywhere but if it happens somewhere if i have experienced it someone else might be experiencing it might have experienced it the education system does not allow us to think according to how we want to think or does not promote us to think big challenge us what is beyond the textbook what is beyond these theories and that's a flaw it does not allow us to constantly become or achieve a state of becoming and and yeah i i, I didn't know that's that's a huge flaw in our education system and and to your point about social camouflage right in the education system it, it, they say okay just go get an education you just do whatever your professor tells you to do to just get a good grade i look at it as social camouflage as well why aren't we allowed to raise our consciousness and i look at consciousness very very much related to our education because it's related to the power of our mind like what you mentioned initially our mind is bigger and has got the potential to think much bigger things than what is written in the books. 
if our mind can travel, because they say the power of imagination leads you to manifest, leads you to think, because we really do not know what is what we are about to say, what we are thinking next. It just happens miraculously. So that needs to start with our education system as well, the ability and to promote and to motivate us and to empower us to think what is beyond the books. That's just my two cents. <laughs> I really like the two cents. Yeah, it's like a limited, it, it starts limiting you. And it's interesting because I was a very aware person growing up and a very aware child. I was just very aware of these things. And before I went to college, I told myself, I said, or the university, you know, I went to Penn State. I said, I'm going to school for psychology. Please don't let this change my mind. That's what I said. That's why I told myself I was meditating on the fact that I don't want to become so influenced by what I was reading and what I was digesting and how things are supposed to be done that it changes the way I think, you know, intuitively. And, and when you're that aware, I think it's very hard. So consciousness is awareness, right? So you, it's it's pretty much even more awareness. You're just you're just this beaming light of awareness, and the more the less limited you are, the more that you can tap into things and see things from a completely different standpoint. And, um, you know, who's to say 100 years from now, everything's going to be written in a completely different way. And, you know, I would, I would really like to see that, that, of course, there's so many professors that are extremely talented in what they do, and they're very intelligent, and they encourage out-of-the-box thinking. And they encourage you come up with your own theory on what you've read. I mean, the advance in 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 human intellect alone could be done in, in so fast if if we were if we thought that way, if we gave everyone a chance to think that way. Because there's a lot of brilliant people, there's a lot of intelligent people that have never gone to school. And you can say it's street smarts, but I, I it's beyond that. It's it's an emotional capacity, it's emotional intellect, it's intelligence beyond whatever you have read um, or whatever you have done. And there's plenty of skilled people that don't go to school and they 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 manifest these amazing things. They're they're super they're brilliant at math, you know, they're they are they're good at physics. I mean, you'd be surprised what you can learn on your own. And, you know, that's going back to actually Nassim, who I was talking about earlier of the Resident Science Foundation. He pretty much did that. He stayed very in a controlled environment where he didn't see a lot of people. He was in that social and he read so many books on physics that it promote it made him into who he is today. Um, and he is, you know, there's a lot of people that reach out to him because of what he's doing and, and the, the numbers that he's put together and the theories he's put together um, and different things that he believes in and how he thinks he would always touch upon. He thought very different from everyone else and people would kind of like just listen to his questions during class um, and really think about what he was asking. So uh, he was never good at school either, by the way, growing up as a kid, like he, he was horrible. And then all of a sudden he, he, you know, he went to college and stuff and he like blossomed similar actually to me. I was, I, I was very good in school, but I was very not present. I was also not present. It was like, I was so emotionally on overload that it prevented me. It was almost like, you know, anxiety. I suffered from anxiety. Um, and I was also not in a good family environment. So 
and I was actually actually not in a good school environment. There were a lot of there were I was just a target for to be made fun of. So I was just in this constant state of like anxiety and overwhelmed feelings. And somehow I got good grades, but once I hit high school, it all plummeted. Um, and I was very grateful to be accepted into college because I said, "Wow, I'm just you know." And I graduated early from high school too. Um, but again, it, it goes back on so many situations, so many things. And if anything that I learned when I was younger is just a lot of emotional intellect. There's so much common sense um, and awareness, you know, and tapping into that. So everyone comes from a different background. Everybody has different strengths and you can build on your weaknesses. You know, it's not just focus on your strength. You can focus on your weaknesses too. Um, and I think if you're repetitive enough and you're passionate enough, you can completely change your mind around, you know? So there's a lot of potential for so many people who lack of education or, or feel like they can't do something. And it really begins with, can you or can you not? And what are you telling yourself? And those two things have changed a lot of people's lives. No, I agree with you. I really like how you said, you shout that there are uh, professors who promote uh, students to think beyond what is in the textbook or the theories. I really like that. And, and you also mentioned when when people are more encouraged to think or just to conform, they lose the ability to think and ability to perform. I think that very much ties to the three-pronged platform of how a human being is or human being becomes. And, and that is how they are at work, how they are in their social circle or how they are personally, right? if one part is affected where they are oppressed from thinking oppressed from speaking i'm going to use the education system as an example if we cultivate a nation a global nation where you go to school i'm not saying every nation is like this but we cultivate a global nation where we promote individuality individual thinking uh, think big thinking let's let's challenge theories let's let's accept the theories at the same time let's have our own mindset the power of our consciousness to think what is beyond that it empowers a person it builds their confidence it builds their identity i think it becomes a dominant effect as to how a human grows and when that is cultivated in an education system consciously that becomes an imprint at work, how they become at work. And that should be cultivated at work as well because in the corporate world, like what I mentioned just now, you have got the manager and you've got the minions and it becomes a very conformist culture. You listen to me, but when we cultivate people, empower people in an education system or in a work system or in a social setting, humans can achieve the unthinkable right and and they achieve a level of social transparency rather than social camouflage that's how i feel and it eliminates it eliminates consciousness you know be, being conscious and growing consciously eliminates a person's egocentrism ethnocentrism and they become world-centric and that's when you collaborate. That's where you see more collaborations happening, where you see world leaders getting together, solving problems, not just for personal 
reasons, but how can we empower, how can we lift not just my nation up, but the whole world up? And that's what I find it really fascinating. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's, a per, that's so nice to, to hear you say, to, to, to talk like that. I think it, it also gets back to, you know, personal, you're seeing personal gain. You know, the, the world leaders today, world leaders are, it's like, what can I get? What can I take? Um, how can I, uh, how can my ego be put into this? I think, <laughs> I think we yes. on the, without saying too much, um, you know, how, how, I mean, I think the ego thing is just outrageous. It's, it's, it's in everything. It's in a lot of these leaders and people that are talking in, in terms of the news and this and that. It's just like blown away when I, when I see some of this and I'm just like, that is the dominating field right now. That is what is running the world. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable and you have a lot of these spiritual, you know, uh, people who try, I think also help balance it out. I mean, when we talk about consciousness, we're talking about individual consciousness, and then we're talking about collective, right? So in terms of energy and vibes, you can only imagine the spiritual, the aspect of people, the essence, how people, for example, are even just meditating. When a group of people get together and meditate, they affect the people around them behaviorally, not mind control. They just, it's like you're getting into their energy field and you just, you're lifted up. It's a really interesting concept. There's a lot of studies in TM about this. TM is transcendental meditation. Um, how th- th- there's been controlled studies of advanced meditators getting together and the crime rates have gone down. They're, they're year long longitude studies it's just it's it's brilliant stuff to really get into we'll probably save that for another time but collectively if we're in a, if we're in the highest mindset and we're in a high vibration and we're thinking unlimited uh potential for ourselves and for other people on this planet it's it's life-changing there's no you know and then you don't get into the small mind of how does this person think about me or what is this person thinking about me or how, you know, this person said something negative to me. No, you just become an unstoppable force at that point. And that is part of the collective. And the more people that we have like that, the more we're going to help balance out whatever the hell is going on right now <laughs> and help, change, you know, change things. It's, it's a very, you know, all it takes is, as we know, it's only a few people you know, to kind of come out and be like this light and driving force. And that's why we're attracted to certain people. And we, we want to, we want to follow certain people, or we want to talk to certain people. And it's because they are a force right now. And, um, and the, the more genuine you are, and the more um, compassionate and humble, and you just don't think in these small minded ways, you, you really, I mean, they really are. Some of these things are just so small minded. You just become unstoppable at that point. There's nothing can touch you. No one can affect you in a negative way. And, and it doesn't say that you're not listening to the feedback. You're taking it in, but you're transforming that energy in a positive way, right? You can do something about it. Or you can't, there's only um, so much that you can take in and really, but you don't let it drag you down and you don't harp on thinking about it too much, you know? So there's a healthy mindset involved. It took me a very long time um, to get to this point because I, uh, you know, I was, you know, very, I wouldn't say small-minded, but I was limited at certain times. I felt a lot of pain 
uh, it was almost something that was a part of me. I didn't know how to get rid of it. There's a lot of people that are suffering from just pain, you know, and they don't, and then there's like this huge release and you start, and I, what a part of it was just meditation and being aware of this pain inside of me and also learning how to release it in a really genuine and authentic way. There's men, there's women, there's, you know, people of, of no gender, uh, non-binary, uh, whatever, going through this, you know, and it's, it's, it's a huge um, factor to kind of take place because then people are feeling this and they're not being their genuine selves. They're not being empowered. They're not their powerful selves. And it's, it's putting weight on them. So the more that you're able to transcend people and, and have them come into your energy field, you know, I know I've been approached by so many people that are just like, want to talk to me, you know, when I'm out. Um, and that usually people can just feel something about you and that's physics. There you go. There's the vibe. There's the energy, you know, the more, the more people like that, like I said, the collective consciousness, you're raising it, you're, you're helping it out. No, I agree. And I truly, truly agree with you on how sometimes we attract people it is how we emit those vibrations right that energy and you say that when people operate from a high vibration level uh, like meditators or people who practice yoga or just spiritual leaders they have this positive energy something about them where they emit and i feel that it's more like a magnetic force right when you give good energy positive attracts it's positivity is positively charged you attract people to it you and going back to what you said at the beginning of the show you said that when two souls were dilated and one was brought to china and the other one was in a different part of the world they both experienced the same thing energy vibrations when emitted when you're positive, it affects someone else positively. When you put out positive thoughts, even when you are separated by distance, sometimes I speak with my mom, right? And I, when I tell her good thoughts, or when I send her good thoughts, she becomes happy. Or when a friend thinks positively about me, sometimes you just do not know why you're feeling happy. Or sometimes that person's image will pop into your head. And it has happened to me before. And right. it's not coincidence, man. No, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's right, right. right. <laughs> it's energy and atoms and vibration, the cosmic law, everything has got vibration and it's conscious about vibrating at the same level or at a higher level, whichever frequency frequency that you are at, it connects you. And that's why sometimes when someone who's negative around you who has not spoken to you, who has not uttered a word, you feel this anger, you feel this sense of uh, insecurity. You just want to get away from them. You have this anger and hatred because it depends on the level of vibration or energy that they are vibrating at. And it's conscious manifestation. You said that it took you a long time to achieve to be where you are. And I agree with that. I did not achieve this state of wokeness as what you call in millennial lingo. <laughs> it took me years and years and years of practicing consciously in eliminating my egocentrism, my ethnocentrism, and consciously educating myself 
right? I do not ever take it as, oh, I've been here. So I knew everything. Right. Exactly. Oh, I couldn't agree more because there's so many people that I meet. They're like, I, I know all this already. I'm like, okay. And there's no, you know, I don't have any feelings about it, but I see how people become so limited. They're like, I read those books. I, I know all that already. Blah, 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 blah. I just don't know. What is this? You know, I remember someone saying to me, what is this love thing? You know, what, why is everyone so happy all the time? And I'm thinking, you've read all these amazing books. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, there's a limited you know, you can never stop improving yourself. There's no, I've, I've read everything. I know all of this. I mean, sure. You have a few history lessons. You might know history, but there's always something else that you can learn. And that's what I love about knowledge. I mean, in general, and when you think of education, you're thinking of school and all this, but it's just educating yourself. Google is huge. Right. Google anything. You can find so much information about that. And again, it's, it's overlapping fields. Like I said, if you learn anything about energy and physics, you'll realize so much information. What you're talking about right now is not just a, a bunch of mojo, you know, like just mumbo jumbo. It's, no. it's so, it's so real. It's so real. No, I agree. Um, and I, <laughs> I share the same sentiments as you do. I get really annoyed with people when they say, oh, I know. I, I've been there. Oh, I've read a book. I know I've traveled. I have traveled all my life. And I recently came back from a trip and I went to that same place three times. This was my humpty time. But my parents have always taught me when you travel, you have got to travel at different stages in your life. One would be in your teens, one would be in your 20s, and then the other one in your 30s or 40s. I never did quite understand why they told me that until recently, this last trip I took. I uncovered that when I traveled during my teens, I looked at everything from a very egocentric perspective. It's like, I know I started making fun of other people where, oh, I know better than you. Because as a teenager, I felt that my ego was just this high. And then in my 20s, I started traveling from a very ethnocentric perspective where, oh, in my country, we do this. Oh, in your country, you do not do this? It was like, oh, how lame. I looked at it from a very different lens. I had my egocentrism eliminated, but not my ethnocentrism because I started comparing at a national level. When I traveled in my thirties and forties, it was a very different perspective where the familiar became unfamiliar. Just the last trip that I took where I traveled for about one and a half months, Everything was familiar. The country I've been to, I know the culture, or at least I thought I knew the culture because cultures evolve and they were man-made and they constantly change and evolve according to the impact or the change makers. So the familiar setting, the familiar country became so unfamiliar where I started learning from scratch again. And that's when I truly realized why my parents have always said, travel at three different stages in your life, three different decades. And that's where I truly learned why the familiar became unfamiliar because it pushes you to continuously learn about how things change. Nothing is stagnant. And that's why I'm so opposed to people saying, oh, I know I've been there. It's, it's, yes, you have been there at that particular point of time, 
and the knowledge that you gained, the experiences that you gained were from that point of time. It's like saying, oh, I've been a baby before, so I know all babies. I know all about babies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I've been there. I've I've wet I've wet my diaper. I I I was not in my diaper when I I was going to the bathroom. Like who knows? I remember I've been sl- you know salivating over everything. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally agree. Um, yeah. And and also, you know, sometimes a country changes for the better, or or gets not as good, and then there's room for improvement as well. You see the changes in in the the way that the economics are, the way that the culture is. If there's anything that changed in religious, um, I mean, there's so many different factors. I mean, I know that Thailand, for example, 30 years ago was completely different. You know, especially um, you know uh, Bangkok. You know, it's what we were talking about before with the hangover a little bit. We were just having another conversation before the podcast. But I mean, there's just so many, you know, things that go into um, visiting and, and being open-minded. And there's been certain countries that I've gone to. And even within the United States that I've been to just quite a few times. And it's just, it's just so refreshing because I always look at things in a very, very, very present t- tense and, and a stance, you know, a present stance. So so like getting up in the morning, like I really am like a kid sometimes, you know, I'm happy to wake up. I'm happy to see my dog in my face walking all over me. I'm happy to look at the same reservoir that I pass by or the same river um, just because I'm excited. It's, it's very vibrant. When you live in that present mindset, uh, your life becomes very vibrant and you aren't, you know, you can say, oh, I've been there, but you know how, you know, what's going on? You know, it's, it's not, oh, I've been there. I've done that. Okay. But you know, like, like we're talking about, you're keeping an open mind to the possibility of learning something new. Um, and that happens with just being completely present. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really different type of way to learn. And I think people retain a lot more of their surroundings and the, uh, you know, their awareness increases when they're in that present mindset. I mean, the mindset is everything because if you are in any type of limited mindset where you think you, you've read all these things, you know everything, like once you th- start thinking like that, uh, I've, I've spoken to some people who I feel like their intelligence just decreases when they're around certain people and their ego gets inflated versus when maybe it's just me and them or me and this other person. Um, and they, they speak in a completely different way. Um, and I, again, I think also someone's presence can, can either inflate an ego or deflate it. You know, I, I think that those, that someone's presence, uh, when you're present, when you're around people that are very present, that can affect your presence, you know, that can demand presence. It's really interesting uh, to think about. Okay. I, I, I love that. And I agree with that. Sometimes you just feel humbled around certain people sometimes the ego concept around certain people and and it's almost like a guard you know what i mean right and and i look at that as the subconsciousness and the consciousness when we are more conscious when like you said we are more present we are present in the moment where we are open to learning and constantly welcoming as an evolving we become so humbled 
when we are not, we are existing in a very subconscious state where we are not truly open in being in the moment. We, like you said, it's a God app. How can I protect myself? How can I protect my ego? Yes, I know this, but not enough. So I thought that there are two different states at which that we operate, subconsciousness and consciousness, where consciousness becomes where we are humbled. Subconsciousness is where arrogance and, and the ego comes up in this. Yeah, um, and, and unconscious. Like that's, a, a, you know, the other, right? Right. The unconscious is, you know, and then it's almost like you're not, you're not really just, you, know, you were knocked out and you're unconscious, but that's the, that's, that's a word that's like a form of, of not being fully present and not being fully conscious because you're just unconscious. You're not, you're not even aware of what you're doing sometimes. Sometimes people say things and they're not even fully present and they're just saying something and you're just like, and they're just like talking and it, right. they're ta and there's so much in their storyline and into their life and into their, you know, uh, their personality and, and reacting so much to everything that they are just so heavily involved in their ego that they, they don't even realize it. So that's a huge, yes, that's another thing. No, I call that when someone is unconscious, sometimes people just say the most stupidest thing. I, I call it the diarrhea of the mouth and diarrhea <laughs> of the mind. <laughs> We were talking a little bit about right. that before too, right? Yep. And I mean, it, this this is a whole spectrum, guys. We're talking about kids. We're talking about adults. We're talking about everyone in between. Yeah. I mean, when you when you are in, uh, you know, a state where you're just not being present. I mean, it's just it's very interesting. Um, and, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, bullying going on at school that you might not even realize your 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 child might be more inflated in ego and unconscious at school than when they're home. You know, and they could be a very intelligent child. So it's it's really important to be aware uh, of yourself when you're around certain people and why you act that way. And we're not, and it's not saying, don't you know, we're we're shaming you. You know, it's just be aware because then you will catch on to things and you'll learn from yourself. And I think that's all you can do at this point. You know, it's just learn uh, more about yourself and be more present with yourself. No, I I love that absolutely engaging dialogue with you, Sepia. We did a fabulous deep dive today. <laughs> I know we went over our time. <laughs> we went really down. You right. know, we went a few levels down. We were like in submarine land. You know? <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. it. Your mind is a beautiful mind and I love speaking with you and exploring thoughts like this. So, but before we go, I want people to know, where can they find you? They can find me, uh, well, Instagram. It's the easiest thing in the world. Um, and I guess we can put that in the, in the notes after. The, uh, but Sibia, is, it's just my first name. I, I got lucky. I was the first one to sign up with my name. There's, you know, quite a few hundred other people with my name. Apparently someone did some research and emailed me and told me because they were fascinated. But uh, Sibia... And it's an S, E is an Edward, B is in boy, H I A. Um, and uh, also my, my website, sebiadebra.com. <laughs>